KYW Original Podcasts. Hey, Flashpoint family. Thank you so much for taking a listen. Would you do me a favor? Would you subscribe to the podcast and then rate and review? We need your reviews to get us to the top. Thanks, everybody. Let's get to it. This week, it's all about the class of 2020. They got shafted by the pandemic with their in-person graduation celebrations canceled. It was just a lot of anger and like sadness coming out of it. I felt like my reward at the end was being taken from me. Recent grads grieve what was, but there are ways to make it special. Maybe even more special than the regular commencement would have been. Then they took over 100,000 students from analog to digital in just a few weeks. People take for granted the things that normally happen that we had to plan for in a remote environment. Philly School Superintendent talks challenges and successes on transitioning to virtual classrooms. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is the class of 2020. Nicknamed the class of COVID-19, this group of young people had their milestone celebrations upended by a pandemic. Nationwide proms and in-person graduation ceremonies have been canceled with most schools and colleges choosing virtual celebrations. What is the impact and how do you help the people you love celebrate while processing the letdown of what was supposed to be? With me to discuss this Flashpoint is Andrea Egger. She's a psychotherapist who has spent years working with youth. We also have Jenna Mealy. She is a recent graduate of Temple University. We have Stephen Scott Bradley, a soon-to-be graduate of St. Joseph's University. And finally, we have Anaya Mack. She's a senior at the Academy at Palumbo High School in South Philadelphia and will be graduating shortly. Everybody, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you very much. Yeah, and so I want to start with the youngest. Anaya, I want to start with you. You are set to graduate from high school. Uh, when you found out there would be no in-person graduation, what was your immediate reaction? I was devastated. You know, being so like so into my academics, like throughout my entire academic career, I felt like I was being my reward at the end was being taken from me. You know, with the prom and the graduation, and everything like that. Because the prom is a pretty big deal, especially in Philadelphia. Yeah, definitely. I was getting dress made actually I had like one more fitting left before I was to pick it up how important is the idea of graduating from high school to you how important is that to you I feel like it's definitely necessary especially because after high school not everyone goes on to college some people go straight into the workforce so I mean I definitely plan on going to college this definitely um made me even more determined to graduate from college but I feel like it's necessary because for some, this is their last graduation, their last opportunity to do that. Stephen, you are about to graduate from St. Joseph's University. What will that look like for you? I'm just going through the phase of the final senior send-offs through Zoom. Just because with a lot of orgs, you do have a lot of seniors heading out. So from the fraternity I'm in to being on student government, it's just the, all the goodbyes as of now. And then May 16th, we filled out our graduation slides. So... Just got to sit through the ceremony and enjoy the moment. They just announced, they said, we'll have a celebration in October. But as of right now, May 16th is the day to look forward to right now. You know, you did graduate from high school. You remember that feeling. Where How how, how much were you looking forward to graduating from St. Joe's 
And what's been the family reaction to this this outcome? When I was first informed, like that there was no in-person graduation, it was just a lot of anger and like sadness coming out of it. But it's not necessarily just because of the ceremony itself, but it's just like as a whole, like the second half of the spring semester, senior year is supposed to be like those big moments are coming out towards the end, especially as it's coming towards the ceremony. And now we are completely missing out on everything. So it's like you get a lack of closure. Mm -hmm. I think that's the real sad part of everything. So you don't get to enjoy those final moments with your friends. In terms of my family, like they were happy that I was able to just make it through the four years, but they still did feel my pain just because like I just kept saying like, like I'm happy to graduate, but it's something more than just having a degree. But like it's just those final memories that meant a lot to me that now I don't necessarily get the opportunity to have anymore. Andrea, before we go to Jenna, I want to bring you in here, Andrea, because when you hear the the, the feelings and the emotions, what goes through your mind and and then sort of talk about the the, the milestones and these rites of passage that are that are Mm -hmm. kind of being postponed in a way. I would really like to congratulate everybody on all of your hard work. Um, Not even the pandemic can uh, take that away from each and every one of you. I know your families have sacrificed and worked hard supporting you. I really want to acknowledge and honor that. And I think part of it, you know, is uh, definitely acknowledging these feelings that, that everybody's expressing, you know, and I expressing Um, how she feels like, you know, the prom and graduation were these rewards taken away. And, you know, Stephen talking about the lack of closure. It's really important to, um, to acknowledge and honor these things. At the same time, the reality is, you know, you have earned your graduation, you're, you're earning your uh, your degrees. And so uh, that's part of something that's really important for for everybody to try to really connect with and focus on at this time. So we talk about rites of passage. It's like, yeah. it's a cultural thing in America, right? Mm-hmm. For yeah. certain things yeah. to happen that push you mm-hmm. to the next level. That is true. And so it, there's a Greek process um, and a sense of sadness and even depression. It's almost like feeling out of sync with what is expected, what is traditional. But that is a reality of this time. So it is, again, important to honor that and at the same time acknowledge what, what the reality is, what the real gains are. Janice, Stephen, and Anaya, if you are all at the forefront of history, this has not happened to people in your position before. You guys are really um, bearing an incredible burden, and you're bearing it really with, with so much dedication um, and commitment. It's definitely important to honor that. And I just got to bring Jenna in here because she graduated from Temple (laughs) University, a virtual graduation. But I loved how you celebrated this in a very unique way that took into account all the restrictions, but you still celebrated. Explain what happened. It was actually a huge surprise. Um, My mother pulled me into my room and I thought I was in trouble. I was like, what could I have done? Like, I I can't leave my house. (laughs) She was like, "Uh, Jen, I need you to get dressed, put some makeup on, do your hair and meet me in the kitchen and don't look outside. And I was like, okay. She had my my shades pulled down and everything. And then I, I got ready. She um, borrowed a cap and gown from my neighbor who actually graduated from Temple too. So it was all, my hood was right because she graduated from the same school of crime that I did. And then I walked outside with a little bouquet of red white roses and all of my neighbors were sat on their front lawns cheering me on and I turned the corner to my own front lawn and I see my family um, spread out all across our front lawn and um, my front porch was 
turned into a stage. Um, there was a beautiful scene that my sister had made for me, congratulating me, and we had a, a podium, and we have a little owl statue that is supposed to scare off birds, and it doesn't do its job, but it served as a great uh, mm-hmm. prop for the day. And then all my family members got up and spoke to me, and it was just the most amazing personal graduation. And then, to top it all off, the rest of my family, my extended family, which is a lot of people, I'm Italian, um, <laughs> they drove by in their cars and that they have decorated and um, honking for, God, it felt like it went on forever. And it ended with some of my closest friends at the end of the line, which was an amazing surprise. So I got to kind of talk with them in the street for a while. But all in all, it was a great, it was a great day. And you you heard what uh, the the things that everybody's talking about, the desire for closure, right? The desire to mark this occasion. Did you feel like, even though it wasn't like the normal one where everybody's in the big auditorium or outside and you hear the music, did you, did you feel like you, it was accomplished this way? Oh, for sure. And coming from me, I'm the most sentimental person, I think, in the world. I I really enjoy like the little moments and the big moments. And I really look forward to celebrating things. So when in-person graduation was canceled, I like Anaya, I felt devastated. But this day, um, it was it happened this past Saturday. It was great. And it definitely felt that sense of closure, that sense of celebration. And it just felt so special. I think maybe even more special than the regular commencement would have been. And I want to bring Andrea back in. I want to give parents here some advice because marking these occasions, I mean, I I think everybody's, you know, very focused on staying healthy and, you know, you know, locking down and, and, and just the basics. This is a part of it in many ways. Isn't it incredible, you know, Jenna, how your family and, you know, your neighbors and friends, um, you know, did what, what everybody can do um, to honor your the special occasion of your graduation. And there are still so many things that people can do, even, again, with the traditional formats for these rites of passage and these milestones and how, how we celebrate and mark them being not available. Um, there are still so many ways that people can be creative. And um, it really can um, result, like you said, Jen, in, in a really remarkable and special event taking place. Part of this transition period is setting yourself up for the next phase, right? And so you open in the door. And so, Anaya, you're, you're headed to college. How is this sort of COVID-19 impacting your ability to look forward to that? I'm so ready to start college. I feel like it lit a fire in me. It makes me want to graduate even more. Like, I'm going to work even harder in college because I feel like this has to happen. Like, I have to make this happen since I didn't get it this year. How are your plans going with that? Well, as far as right now, nothing has changed. I was supposed to go to my school to, like, meet um, new students, admitted students to find a roommate and stuff like that. So that was canceled. But as far as like um, starting school in the fall, they haven't changed anything yet. So Yeah. And so you're very excited. What's your family's reaction? Because I know this is a time where, you know, you're thinking about you're about to graduate. You're going to be this is your last summer at home, you know, kind of with your high school friends, and then it's, like, time to go to college and start that next phase. Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, complete my senior year right now. As far as my family, I feel like they were just as they were just as upset as me, and they're, they're trying to find every possible way to make it special still for me, you know, ordering banners and stuff like that. We're still trying to, you know, make it special. 
Stephen, like graduation from college and you too, Jenna, come up in here. I mean, graduation from college is like open the door to the real world now. How are you thinking about your future? Has COVID-19 impacted that? And, and we'll start with you, Stephen. For me, like everything changing with all the restrictions, I was going right into instant paranoia just because um, of some of the opportunities. Like this summer, I was I had a internship with Independence Blue Cross. And then in the fall, I was going to go back to my high school, St. Joe's Prep, to do an alumni volunteer program for a year in the diversity office. But then when everything changed and not and there was not as much in-person contact, I started emailing everybody saying, is everything okay? Do I need to make plans to start looking elsewhere? And fortunately, my summer internship just turned virtual, which was the biggest blessing I could have received all this week. But um, it's just this sense of, like, un- uneasiness about whether all your plans are solid just because even when there's that sense of, oh, it's still going to happen, you just want to – it's like you don't know whether to confirm everything. And it's somewhat is altered, and I'm granted I'm glad to be flexible, whether it's a virtual in-person or not, I'm fine with that, but – I think it's just changed my whole expectations, but it's I've just learned to be adaptable to the best I can, and even if that means just waiting out and trying my best to look for new areas of where to work or find new opportunities. And Jenna, how does this how does COVID nineteen impact your future plans now that graduation is over? I had a part time gig with a, a news station that I was supposed to start literally right before kind of lockdown and the social distancing orders came about. Um, so unfortunately, they had to put the job on pause. Um, you know, and I'm I'm hopeful that I could I can start you know in the near future. But I have been looking for um, you know. Jobs for for me, I have skills in in video editing, and that is something I can do remotely because I have a computer and I have the editing software. But it feels like every job posting I look at is just like a dead end. And it's definitely disheartening because I want to start working. I mean, I worked the past four years to get a job and to start working and to enter the real world. But it's kind of just all uncertain. Andrea, when you hear this, I mean... From yes. Anaya to Steven, so much yes. uncertainty. How do you yes. process that, especially as a, I mean, how, how can you help young people process this? It's really important to honor, you know, any kinds of feelings that are coming up now. And, you know, let's be real. They're not all going to be positive. People are experiencing, you know, a lot of negative emotion these days quite naturally. So please, you know, everybody, um, it's so important not to feel ashamed of the feelings that you have and to welcome them and to just notice them and recognize them for for what they are. At the same time, you know, I want to, you know, reassure everybody from where I sit, that, you know, I see that college is still going on. I'll share that I happen to be the mother of a college sophomore who's been doing his distance learning and is going to continue doing that. Classes are still going on. These transitions will be made for you, Anaya, and then, you know, for Stephen and Jenna. There are companies that are hiring. You know, job searching transition post-graduation is always challenging. And so please know that that's very normal. So really thinking about what you guys do have control over. You have control over your, your search efforts and, you know, your reaching out efforts. These are things that you guys do have control over, whether they pan out or not. You know, it's so important for you guys to really give yourselves a lot of credit for the ongoing effort. That's what's really meaningful now. Because this is Flash One, we do need to wrap it up. 
How can you turn this around? In other words, use this pandemic to make yourself better for when the world goes back to some semblance of normalcy. Well, I think that this whole pandemic, it just, it, it teaches me to count my blessings and not to take anything for granted. You know, I really took my senior year for granted. Like, I wish I would have cherished the times more with my class and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not going to stop educating myself. I've been reading books, stuff like that. So, How about you, Stephen? How will you use this time and flip it? I was talking about this with one of my friends who's going to be a senior next year, and I was saying, as crazy as it sounds, like, I'm trying to, like, figure out if I can find more ways to classes online. Like, even if it's not necessarily, like, a full, like, credit college course type of thing, but I just want to find ways to, like, continue to build up my skills just because one of the biggest things I've learned as a communications major is the whole idea of just being adaptable to all situations. I just wanted to take this opportunity to, like, build the skills up and, like, also, just staying connected with people just because at the end of the day, it's all about still remaining connected with people regardless of the distance just because one day this will all get back to normal, so you don't want to feel like you're completely a ghost to everybody. It's just building up on skills and remaining in contact with people. Doing the same thing, I'm trying to learn different um, editing softwares and that I can used to build up my resume and I'm also taking time just to for myself like I'm reading a little bit more and I am you know taking my time in the morning and making coffee and like trying to make sure that I'm taking care of myself while also staying sharp on my skills so I don't lose anything (laughs) while I'm job hunting yeah because I'll tell you when it's go time you got to be ready right Oh, yeah. Final word to you, Andrea. It will be go time one of these days. And just, you know, it's really holding on to the facts. These are facts, right? That you guys are resourceful enough. You're intelligent enough. You're creative enough. You're educated enough. And you guys will continue to cultivate your strength and your and your internal resources until go time shows up. And you guys will be ready. And I want to say congratulations to the entire class of 2020. We will have a new normal and it is still going to be your time so stay positive and i want to say thank you so much to andrea egger jenna mealy to stephen scott bradley and to anaya mack for coming on flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news thank you all thank you thank, thank you, you. Next up, they took over 100,000 students from analog to digital in less than two months. This was literally overnight. Philadelphia Schools Superintendent discusses the district's transition to online classrooms. We'll be right back. Hey, Flashpoint family, if you like what you hear, why don't you stick around and take a listen to some of our past episodes or our Flashpoint extras. One example is our exclusive interview with the one and only DJ Jazzy Jeff. He contracted COVID-19. He had some dark moments, but he survived. Take a listen to his journey. Another example is our Pat's Newsmaker of the Week, Andrew Wyatt. He's spokesman for actor and comedian Bill Cosby. He explains why they're petitioning the governor to hopefully get the cause out of jail early. All of this and more. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate and review. Now back to the show. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. Our newsmaker of the week is the Philadelphia School District. In less than two months, Philly schools have gone from analog to digital as officials work to create online classrooms for kids to accommodate the coronavirus lockdown. But the transition has faced major challenges, showcasing inequities in the system. With us to discuss the current status of the district's digital learning program, Superintendent Dr. William Height. Dr. Height, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. The digital learning program is up and running officially. 
how'd it go this week? Digital learning is up and running officially. Things appear to be going well. I mean, we will know by Monday how the attendance was this week, but large numbers of students have picked up Chromebooks now, over 81,000 students to be exact. And now teachers are engaging with students on a regular basis. School leaders are engaging with teachers and students on a regular basis. We're getting some really good feedback from some of our schools about the large numbers of children who are participating. So things have gone relatively well, considering that sometimes districts take years to transition to this type of approach and the fact that we transitioned over a matter of weeks is pretty extraordinary. It speaks to the work that our teachers have done in order to prepare for this, our IT academics team, and even our social and emotional supports team. Um, All of those teams came together to help support this work and to provide these children with this opportunity. Yeah. And so what does a typical, you know, school day look like for kids now? It could be somewhere between three and a three three and three and a half hours of what we call asynchronous, a combination of asynchronous and synchronous learning. And so asynchronous is learning that really takes place where students see a problem that they need to solve. They can actually work with other members of the class. They could actually go back and do some research on a topic and get back. And they're working on their own and at their own pace. Synchronous is more with like the typical classroom approach where everyone is doing the exact same thing. So it's a combination of those two things. And it depends on the grade, quite frankly, it depends on the context and the subject matter. So in, if there is a read aloud activity uh, that is class-based, then it could be where the whole class is participating on a, on a platform like this one. Or it could be the topics that are available on a digital learning webpage, and those topics would then be something for the student to complete. And so the student will log in, sign in, then we would capture attendance. They could download the assignment and then upload that assignment back to a teacher. In addition, teachers are having office hours as well, where they are connecting with our young people in addition to uh, the time that they're spending in front of them or with their lessons. Yeah, and so three and a half hours, I mean, it seems like it's it's far reduced from what a normal in-person day would be. Uh, Could you explain, uh, is it equivalent? Is it not equivalent? To manage expectations about this whole approach. So nothing is gonna be a sufficient replacement for day-to-day interactions that students are having with teachers. I mean, and that's not, there's no replacement for that. Uh, We actually are using this time and this approach to reduce as much as possible the regression that would normally occur when children are not in school. Um, And in addition, we want to introduce some new content while we're at it as well. And that's what we're doing through the planned instruction. The three hours to three and a half hours could be the time that students are spending with their teacher or with other students. It doesn't mean that it will only be three hours during the day uh, because they could also be working on these activities beyond that period of time. And then they would have to drop those completed assignments back into the drop boxes of their respective teachers. So it could, it could mean more time, but it, it is not a sufficient replacement. 
And the other thing is because of what both our teachers and our students are having to deal with through this pandemic, some, many of our students are having to take care of other siblings. Mm -hmm. Many of our families and parents are having to take care of multiple children and sick relatives. Many are, many are trying to get to a food distribution site to have access to some, one of the meals or the food that is being distributed. So we're all kind of working through a period that has been unknown to many of us before. And so part of this is just making sure we have the opportunity to connect and establish those relationships with their young people, stay in touch with them. And as I indicated before, make sure they're okay and make sure that we are continuing that relationship that's already been established. But more importantly, to we want to reduce the regression that will naturally occur when children are not in school. Yeah, and there was a period where this type of learning did not count, you know, and now I understand that you mentioned new material is being introduced and that these lessons are supposed to count, I understand, is that true? Yeah, it's true. And it really is meant to enhance, not to make worse. And so it is really meant to enhance young people who may have been on the borderline, who may needed to complete assignments in order to pass a class, pass a grade, or to graduate. A lot of the other uh, grades are simply feedback for the children who are doing the lessons. But as I indicated before, because this is not a normal situation for us, we, we felt it was important to provide the children with some uh, response or feedback on the work that they are turning in, but the grades are more attuned to some uh, participation. So you turn in the assignments in, are you, are you attempting to do the work? Um, because it's that practice that will keep our young people engaged and will reduce the regression. Yeah, because that's a, so kids, because one of the big concerns, I think, for a lot of parents is that their kids are going to lose, you know, the, the you know, they're going to be behind, so to speak, um, because of this time is, is how are you making sure that the kids don't end up coming back next year? Let's say we go back to school, all the cases stopped and, we're, and it's a perfect world. How do you get the kids back up to where they would have been had this never happened? Yeah, so that's why we, number one, wanted to actually continue review and enriching children on previously covered material. So they're not, so that we're still practicing those materials. It's also why we're introducing new content, content that would have normally been introduced this time of year. Not the, not the full amount, but some of that content. Whenever we come back to and get to some period of normalcy, we're going to have to assess everybody to determine where they are, to determine what we will need to do to provide them with the enhanced in-person supports in addition to the technological supports to get them back to where they should have been had this year not been interrupted in the manner it was interrupted. Yeah, and I gotta say, I mean, there was, I mean, this, this threw away me and everybody. There were challenges that you all had, the school district. Could you just give us a laundry list? Because so people can kind of understand, this was like putting a new train on some track. When we first went out, we thought we'd be back in in two weeks, right? So we, we thought, hey, we'll be back in in two weeks. Let's print some materials so that children will have those materials to use. And not until almost three weeks into this, the governor then announced schools would remain closed. And so then we had to 
actually shift to come up with a different way to provide children and, and teachers and adults, quite frankly, with training, the tools that they needed in order to, to utilize these resources. And so we've had to do a lot. And I mean, and to your point, this was literally overnight. Two months ago, we weren't thinking about this. We were thinking about how do we then go into the, the spring? How do we begin planning for graduations and all the spring ceremonies that are there? How do we end the grading period and start a new one? Then all of a sudden, we had to go into, we, sure, we had to train 7,000 teachers, and that was voluntary. So we, we actually put up created virtual training for the adults to use these technologies and to use these tools. 7,000 of our teachers took advantage of that training, which then is an indication. And, and we know that it's not sufficient and, and people are going to get better at it as they use it more. But to your point, we, we, we had to think about a lot of things that we would not have normally had to think about uh, in terms of how do you stand up 49 meal distribution sites that have now distributed almost 2 million meals. And so how do you stand that up at 49 different sites? How do you distribute 81,000 Chromebooks? Um, and how do you make sure people get online? How do you get the children the medication that they had at schools? Um, and how do you make sure that they have those medications? And if they don't have those or that they were expired, how do we go about getting those medications replaced? These are just some things that many people take for granted in terms of the things that normally happen during the school year that we had to plan for in a remote environment. Yeah, you guys had a lot uh, going on. Um, and, and you know, overcoming, do all the kids have Chromebooks right now? You mentioned 81,000. Are there still, is there still a gap of children that don't have them? We don't know if there's a gap of children who need them who don't have them. They may have the technologies at home. We started with people, a lot of people having the technology at home. But then when everyone had to work from home, there may have been more than one child, school-age child in the household that also needed to be on the technology at the same time. That also happened to be the same time the guardian needed to be at work on, the tech, on that same technology. So we had individuals who first thought they didn't need one, but then they came in to get one for uh, their second child or their third child because the, all, of the, all of the technology in the household was being used for some, for some purpose. And so we, we know that about 71% of our children actually picked up a Chromebook. Um, and that is about 81,000. And we, we hope that everyone who needs one has one. And the next thing we're really focusing on is making sure that uh, we have options for individuals to make sure that they can now access that information through some internet or Wi-Fi or mobile hotspot uh, that um, we will provide in some cases into our most needy families, many families that are in homeless shelters or those who just don't have the, a means to, to do this. Uh, and then we're going to ask for help with everyone else who wants to be helpful, uh, either making a contribution or any of the providers making more internet uh, available or more Wi-Fi access available to our families. Yeah, and that leads me to this because I know you do no harm is the, is the phrase that I keep hearing with the school district. But I mean, 
for because you have kids on one hand who need access and then you got kids on the other hand who have access and want rigorous education how do you balance those two by making sure that everybody is is served in the, in the right way yeah i mean i think that that's that, that's the that's why we're going to asynchronous and synchronous so so there's some things that children can do on their own um, there there's some topics that have already covered uh, this is highly contextual to where the levels of the children, the, the, where the classrooms are, the, the comfort level of the teacher. That's one reason we put all of this stuff online. And yeah. so anyone in the city of Philadelphia can go to our remote learning website. It's located at www.philasd.org. And they can click on the learning materials. And if they click on those learning materials, they'll see what they'll see by grade, by course, the things that every child is being asked to do on a given day. And we've also put it out for the next week. And so a parent can look at today and say, hey, this is the week of May 4th on Thursday. Here's what my third grader is being asked to do. And so, and teachers may be asking the children to do more than that if in fact those young people have already mastered that skill but that's the minimum that we want all children to be exposed to while we are uh, in this set of, in this environment. Yeah, and I gotta ask, I mean, before COVID-19, you guys were busy working on facilities. Um, I mean, you had a whole bunch of stuff going on, sir. Like, how is that going? Yeah, so I mean, we were, we were able to get back into the facilities. At first, we could not even get into the facilities, although they were closed. Now we have the green light to get back and start some construction. We had already started uh, some lead abatement projects, and now we are um, we we restarted our Ahira inspections for asbestos, and we we have restarted the Ahira. I'm sorry, the asbestos abatement projects, and so there are multiple projects now going on because we're taking advantage of the time that schools are closed. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so we got to talk about the class of 2020. Yeah. Monkey wrench, but yeah. there's still celebrations coming. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, nationwide, just think about that. I mean, I think that this is, this is a significant milestone for our young people. And just think that just like that, that, that opportunity to experience that milestone, just like you and I had that got to experience it, is taken away for the class of 2020. Not, not just high school, college and everybody. I mean, and so we're gonna, we're, we're planting something, Sherry, for the, the whole city. And it's gonna be a virtual uh, celebration that's gonna acknowledge uh, our young people. We're gonna have some local, ce- we're gonna have some local ce- celebrities and international celebrities who are from Philadelphia who are going to be a part of that. And so we're pleased that we're able to do that and we're going to get support to do that. We're also going to have every school, every high school is also going to have a virtual celebration. And then all of our high schools are also planning in-person graduations once we get the green light um, to uh, and the permission to hold those ceremonies once it's safe. Uh, for children. So we're going to have opportunities to celebrate our young people. It's just going to be later than we normally do it, but we're going to have a big event. It's going to be tantamount to the college signing day we did a couple of years ago. We're looking forward to that event for a class of 2020 here in the city. COVID-19 
across the board, um, highlighted cracks in systems, highlighted the digital divide. How could COVID-19 actually end up being a positive thing for the school district? One of the things that I, I thought about is that we in one fell swoop were able to address an access problem to technology, right? So, I mean, and uh, you know, right or wrong, people like it or hate it. The, the fact that we're able to get every single child, regardless of where they live in this city, a Chromebook, um, and that in and of itself has addressed some of the inequities that have been that have existed in the city for years. Just think if I was trying to do that during a regular school year, I mean, many people would have said, well, why would you spend my money to do that? I mean, my child has one. And so I, I do think it has given us an opportunity to think differently about education is only a place-based thing so that you live in this community, you attend this school, this school has those programs. Um, and I'm sorry, if, if you wanted a program that's not there, um, the, school that you, the, the school that you have been placed in only offers uh, so many. Now, just think about this. So regardless of where a child lives in the city of Philadelphia, regardless of the high school that they attend, they can have access to all of the advanced placement courses that are offered, um, or a, a, a child that is in elementary school that is that has aged out or graded out of all of the math that's offered at the elementary level. That child doesn't now need to wait until they move to middle school or to high school. We can now, we may now have access to that calculus class or that algebra two class where that child is. Uh, with this technology. It, it's a different way to approach if we have a snow day, I mean, in the future, and everyone can just take their Chromebook home, and we will then be able to do the virtual learning like many of the suburban districts have been able to do um, for the, the last couple of years. And so pleased that we've been able to solve for problems around inequity. We still have a major problem to solve around the inequity, and that is the access to the internet. As a school system, we're not gonna be able to solve this problem. We're gonna need either the federal government, the local government, the state government, to think about this as almost an infrastructure issue and think about it as a right to the information that's available just like we've talked about a right to food and nutrition. So with that, I want to say thank you so much to you, Dr. Uh, William Height, for coming on Flashpoint. And I wish you luck as we wrap up this school year. So wrapping much. up the school year goes until June 12th, and school year is not over, so still work to do for everyone who's out there. So Sherry, thank you as always. Next up, they're creating new options and more opportunities for endangered youth in Philadelphia. We're not waiting on the Calvary. We are the Calvary. Philadelphia nonprofits plan to celebrate the class of 2020. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. Be sure to subscribe to the Flashpoint podcast by downloading the radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint. We here at KYW, we are all about community. A local foundation helps young people get to positive outcomes by focusing on what they need to do to thrive. Here to tell us more about NOMO Foundation is our Patriot Home Care Changemaker, Daiwan Williams, COO and Program Director. So, Daiwan, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you for having me, Cherry. First of all, for folks who have not heard of the NOMO Foundation, what is it? We're an organization that's geared towards early intervention prevention. We are a workforce development program who provide uh, workforce development skills to, you know, at-risk youth in, in Philadelphia and abroad. 
And what problem were you all trying to fix when you started this organization? We were just trying to provide resources and support to the children in our community. We understand that um, a lot of our children don't have fathers, you know, don't have adequate households, adequate resources. And that if we didn't personally get involved, then we ourselves was becoming a part of the problem. So what we decided to do was put our heads together, put a team together, put a plethora of resources in one bucket and open up doors to save the lives of young men and women in Philadelphia. And so give me a couple of examples of programs that you guys have put in place that has made effective change. Absolutely. Our workforce development program where we're doing resume writing. Uh, we have career cafes, career workshops. Uh, we bring in guest speakers. We bring in all type of uh, professionals. Uh, we do all types of branding classes. Uh, we have a barbershop and hair salon. Uh, we teach you all of these skills while earning a weekly incentive. So the positive change that we've had on the community was the ability to impact young men and women who have not been justice involved. So you bring in workforce development, you support kids uh, when they need you uh, most. And I know that this has been a tough time for a, lo a lot of young people. and You guys have been doing some outreach and planning some things as well. Absolutely. So, you know, due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we've been operating and doing the uh, remote work learning for the young men and women uh, in Philadelphia. That's in our uh, NOMO program, our workforce development program. And the remote work consists of uh, the Google Classroom. We do all types of career readiness. We do all types of the same thing, resume writing, uh, the SWOT analysis. We do all types of uh, financial literacy. We have the Zoom call app set up. We're going to be starting cooking classes live on Zoom. I love it. Corona is not stopping us. Nothing is going to stop us. So now we're going to be teaching the young men and the young women how to cook and properly prepare meals and become serve safe so they can further their career. I absolutely love that. Um, and this is a, a painful year for a lot of kids who are about to graduate too. And, you know, this was a, that's a rite of passage. And you guys are kind of working on something about that as well. Absolutely. So we, we are putting together the prom and graduation, the biggest one. This is going to be the biggest one in the world. This is something that the world has to be prepared for. So due to the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown, uh, the country was under a strict stay-at-home order with schools and colleges and, and work and, and Americans being sent home all across, you know, the world at this point. Well, in Philadelphia, uh, it affected kids, you know, not only children of incarcerated parents, not only children in Philadelphia, but children all over this country, children all over the world. So what we've decided to do collectively was, we're not waiting on Superman. We're not waiting on the Calvary. We are the Calvary. New options, more opportunities, home of the PA FAC program, we are the Calvary. So we'll be putting together a citywide prom and graduation for all the graduates. We're gonna have one big extravaganza so please stay tuned, stay focused. Information will be going out shortly. We're going to be impacting and touching every household in Philadelphia. What does NOMO stand for? So NOMOS is an acronym for New Options, More Opportunities. And this is the home of the PA FACT program. And uh, FACT is an acronym for Fathers and Children Together. Tell a little bit about what you all do there. We in no way mean to uh, glorify men coming home from prison. But the FACT program is a group of individuals who made some bad choices in their life, but we decided to turn it around. 
we decided to do something positive. And we decided that spending time in prison was not our debt to society. That was only a debt paid for committing a crime. And our actual debt to society would be actually being fathers, being active members of the community, being husbands, being working men, starting careers and going back home and helping the community grow again. So FAC is a program that was created inside the walls of SCI, Greater for Prison by the Lifers. FAC is a program that's geared towards reconnecting incarcerated fathers back with their children. So New Options, More Opportunity, NOMO, is the aftercare component of the PA FAC program. Because when the fathers come home from prison, when the kids come back from visiting the fathers from prison, the kids still need resources and the fathers returning home still need, need resources. So NOMO, you know, serve as one of the many aftercare component of the Fathers and Children Together program. Yeah, I love that. Um, and you guys have been around for a while uh, and doing some great things and, and, and showing, bringing kids, bringing families together, because it is very traumatizing uh, to have a parent that is incarcerated um, on both sides. And so bringing them together is a beautiful thing. First of all, you, why do you do this? What motivates me is not only the people I work with, but the children. The children need us. If I don't come out here and do my due diligence, if I don't come out here and help these kids, then I'm a part of that problem. How can people support you all? Uh, you can visit our website at nomofoundation.org. Uh, we have a donation link on there. Uh, we're also on Instagram at nomo underscore PA fact. We have a nomo cash app, dollar sign nomo5510. All right, check them out at nomofoundation.org. Thank you so much to Daiwan Williams, CEO, for coming in and talking about all the wonderful things you guys are doing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. Are you disappointed in the timing of your home care paycheck? Or are you being paid at all? Call Patriot Home Care today and know that your paycheck will arrive on time and that you'll be well paid. As a leading home care provider in Pennsylvania, Patriot offers the most comprehensive benefits package in the state. You can qualify for free health care, 401k retirement benefits, paid sick time and vacations, and time and a half pay for holidays. Who doesn't like that, right? So you can call Patriot Home Care today at 877-535-5550. That's 877-535-5550. Again, it's 877-535-5550. Flashpoint is produced by Cherry Gregg and associate producer Ariane Fulcher. Thanks for listening. That's it for the Flashpoint Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg. If there is an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know. And we'll walk you through the flames. As author and university coach Dan Millman once said, every positive change, every jump to a higher level of energy and awareness involves a rite of passage. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. Until next week, thanks for listening. And congratulations, class of 2020.